It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 857 for the 10th of November, 2023. This week, development cycles for large applications once were frequently 18 months. Now it's a rare day that we don't receive a bug fix, security update, or feature release for at least one application. Keeping up is a challenge. In short circuits, heat is the enemy of electronic devices, and notebook computers are highly vulnerable. I recently added a device that places cooling fans below my primary notebook computer, and it helps even more than I thought it would. I've been seeing articles about how to get Microsoft 365 for free, although some of the suggestions will be successful, sort of. Most of them seem like just too much work. And 20 years ago, only on the website, AOL, in my estimation, did something right in 2003. What I offered then was a kind of a backhanded compliment. If you're old enough, you may recall a time when computer applications were updated about every 18 months, maybe with a small bug fix around the one-year mark. Well, things have changed. During any given week, I may be pestered by an operating system patch, a security fix, or a feature update. Adobe Creative Cloud may offer updates to release versions or beta versions. Winget may tell me about half a dozen or more applications with updates. And Patch My PC knows about a bunch of application updates. If I had to update each of these applications without help, I might spend most of my time updating applications. But there is help. Most browsers update themselves. When the browser launches, it checks to see if there's an update, and if so, silently installs it. That's true for a lot of browser extensions, too, probably most of them. The startup may be a little bit slower, but the process is automatic. But not all applications are yet able to update themselves. Adobe Creative Cloud checks each application and lets you know if there are updates ready. It's up to you to have the system install the updates at a convenient time. And depending on how you've configured Windows, it may download updates, install some automatically, and try to honor your preferences for when the system restarts when that's needed. But what about other applications, the ones that check only on launch or don't check at all? especially those applications you use irregularly. It's somewhat annoying to start an application that you use infrequently, only to be told you have to wait while it updates. One of the best helper applications is the free Patch My PC. Free, but donations are accepted. Not really begged for, but accepted. Besides being able to install and uninstall applications, Patch My PC can check for updates and install them silently without requiring you to do anything more than setting it up initially. Patch My PC is a portable application, so it requires no installation. The first time you run the application, you'll see a list of all programs and utilities it knows about in the left column, and the installed applications it knows about in the right column. Installed applications that are up to date are shown in green. Any installed applications that have pending updates are shown in red. Applications that are available but not installed are shown in black. 
The same is true if you open the application manually to check for updates, but that's not necessary because you can schedule it to run at your convenience. Patch My PC knows about a lot of open source applications and utilities and about a few paid proprietary applications that have free trial versions. If you have a paid version, the updater will install the current paid version. Otherwise, it will simply update to the latest free version. During the installation or update process, each procedure also displays status information in the right panel. Most applications will generate new icons on the desktop by default as they're installed, but there is an option to have Patch My PC delete those icons if you don't want them. Some applications do require that the user approve a UAC warning, so sometimes a bit of manual effort is still required. A few applications automatically open after being installed, and there's nothing Patch My PC can do about either of those situations. To install a new application that Patch My PC knows about, all you have to do is check the box on the left column, then check the Perform Update button in the lower right corner of the user interface. You can select multiple applications to be installed in a single pass. When run, Patch My PC creates a log file in the directory where the executable file is located. The executable file may be run from any location on the computer or from a USB thumb drive. Running from a thumb drive, though, will generally preclude automatic operation unless that thumb drive happens to be attached to your computer at all times. So it's better to create a folder on the desktop or on any disk that's permanently attached to the computer if you want to use that automatic process. Setting Patch My PC to run automatically is done from the scheduler panel, and the process is very easy. Choose whether you want the updater to run daily, every 2, 3, 5, 10, or 20 days, once every week or two weeks, or every month. Another option will force the process to run as soon as possible if the computer wasn't running at the scheduled time. Other options include Task Enabled, which must be set to True if you want the job to run, whether Patch My PC is visible when it runs, and whether you want the job to run even if you're not logged in. To finish the process and schedule the task, click the Saved Suggested Schedule button. In addition to installing applications, Patch My PC can also uninstall applications. Open the Uninstaller tab, select one application or several, right-click, and then choose the Uninstall option. Patch My PC runs on any version of Windows from XP on up. It requires Microsoft.NET Framework 4.5. Once installed, Patch My PC automatically updates itself as new versions are released. If you want to run the application on multiple home PCs and use the same settings on each, you can export the settings to a file and then place that file in the program's directory on another computer. For those who need to run an older version of an application, find it in the left column and right-click it, then choose Disable Auto-Updating of this app. This is helpful if a new version of an application has incompatibilities with hardware or with other software that's located on your computer. Patch My PC is free for home use, and the free service is funded by corporate payments for the commercial version. That commercial version can keep more than 1,000 proprietary applications up to date. Those who use the free home version can contribute, and if you feel that Patch My PC saves time and keeps your computer up to date, consider playing fair and providing a contribution. For more information or to download the free version of Patch My PC, 
visit the Patch My PC website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, I was planning to title this section, Keeping a Notebook Computer Cool. But the only way to really achieve that involves turning the computer off and storing it in a refrigerator. Keeping a notebook computer less hot didn't have quite the same feel, so I ended up with a title of Battling Computer Killing Heat in a Notebook Computer. A little long, but it serves the purpose. We like notebook computers. We want them to be small. We want them to be light. We want them to be powerful. And we want them to be fast. But we also want them to run cool. And that's simply not going to happen. But we can at least take a few steps to reduce the buildup of heat, which is the threat most likely to cause a computer to fail. Desktop systems have a lot of air inside. Fans can be attached to the hot components, such as the CPU and the GPU, that's difficult in a notebook computer. They have heat sinks and other means of passive cooling, but the CPU may often reach its maximum temperature, which is typically 100 degrees centigrade. When the CPU reaches that thermal junction, or TJ max, it starts reducing performance until the temperature drops. Solid-state hard drives usually also run hotter than mechanical drives, although SSDs are rated for temperatures up to 70 degrees centigrade, that's 158 degrees Fahrenheit, cooler is certainly better. Crystal Disk Info sounds an alarm when the SSD reaches temperatures of 60 degrees centigrade, which is still well within normal operating temperatures. But cooler is better because heat is what damages electronic components. And the CPU, it should normally operate in the 60 to 70 degree centigrade range, with occasional brief periods approaching 100 degrees centigrade when under load. So, notebook computers typically have rubberized feet that lift them off the desk maybe a quarter of an inch. That's really not enough for decent ventilation. So, several years ago, I added a bracket that lifts the computer about four inches. That helped, but not enough. And that led me to consider a device with two fans that sits under the computer. The effect was dramatic. The CPUs reach their maximum temperature less frequently than before, and the solid-state drive normally operates at 50 to 54 degrees centigrade. I see the 60 degree centigrade warning only when I'm running an image backup of that drive, and I no longer see any temperature higher than 60 degrees centigrade. More people are using notebook computers as their primary computers these days. A couple of inexpensive add-ons, such as a bracket to elevate the computer and an under-computer fan to provide airflow, can significantly increase the performance and the life of the computer. And perhaps I should have called this section, My Computer's Biggest Fan. Okay, sorry. Just pretend I didn't say that. 
Microsoft 365 isn't a bad deal, but I keep hearing about some free options. Let's take a look. I say it's not a bad deal because of the way the family plan is purchased. Up to six people can install the suite on all of their Windows or Mac computers and on phones or tablets. Up to five devices can be active at any time, and each person has one terabyte of cloud-based storage. The cost? $100 per year total for all six people. Microsoft 365 includes Word, Excel, Access, PowerPoint, Outlook, OneDrive, Editor, ClipChamp, and OneNote. Those who don't like subscription software but are willing to pay should consider Office, Home, and Student 2021 for $150. Clearly, this is a 2021 version, not the current version. The license covers use on one Windows computer or one Mac computer, and there will be no updates. It includes only Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Outlook, Access, OneDrive, Editor, ClipChamp, and OneNote are not in the package. If you're looking for a free option, I'd recommend either OpenOffice or LibreOffice, both of which are open source and free to use. Both OpenOffice and LibreOffice can read and write Microsoft Office files in addition to their own files. Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and Access equivalents are included in both of the packages. Using Microsoft 365 for free may involve some significant limitations. If you're a student, teacher, or faculty member and you have an email address that's associated with your school, you might be able to get Microsoft 365 for free. Find out by visiting Microsoft's education website and entering your email address there. You'll find out immediately whether you're eligible. There's also a completely free version of Microsoft 365, but it's cloud-based and the applications don't have all of the features found in the computer-based versions. You also need to create a free Microsoft account, and you can start that process on the Microsoft 365 website. There are links to all of these on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. Another way to obtain Microsoft 365 for free involves signing up for it on the free trial page. Now, the free trial lasts just 30 days, and you do have to remember to cancel the subscription before the trial period ends. If you don't, you will be charged $100 for that one-year subscription. Oh, and there is one other option. If a friend or relative has an available license for their Microsoft 365 subscription, they might be willing to assign one license to you. So if you really need the functions of a full-featured Office suite, and it must be the one from Microsoft, you're better off just paying for the license. The subscription includes the latest features, online storage and cloud-connected features, security updates, and tech support. Like I said at the beginning, it's not a bad deal. 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website is available for free. This week, I look back to 2003 when I found that AOL had done something right. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>